0: Welcome to Briarwood Football Classics. I'm Matthew Forster. I'm the head coach of Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. This season is the 50th season of Briarwood football, and we're publishing this podcast to remember some great games and moments from the past. Taking us through this process is current BCS Athletic Director Coach Jay Matthews and former coach, Coach Mike Forster, who's my father. These longtime friends and coaches are sharing memories with special guests and should be a ton of fun. So take it away guys, here's Mike Forster and Jay Matthews and these are Briarwood Football Classics.
1: And today we're actually moving to 2017. Mike and uh, one of the great comebacks, Coach Yancey called it the greatest comeback in Briarwood history and that's the uh, semifinal game versus St. Clair County uh, down at the half and and coming back. uh, so we're talking a little bit about just the nature of playoff games in general. And before we get into uh, Michael Ayers and, and uh, Bobby Curley talking about that great game, I was wondering if you wanted to give us a little history of the Briarwood playoff maxims and, and how the, some of those maxims actually came into play uh, coming from behind on such an important game.
0: Yeah, I can't I – can't. I'm trying to think about when Coach Ancy gave us these and we kind of – used them um somewhere in the late or, or mid 90s 95 96 somewhere along in there um but number one talks about uh expect incredible intensity um you know and of course playoff it's it's if you don't win you're done yeah. and uh that's that's uh, huge there uh the past doesn't matter As number two the future is not our focus it's just one game at a time um expect tight games if things go wrong early don't panic trust your brothers trust your trainers and that is so true about playoff games and you know number four was one that really sticks out to me because I just remember how true it was as the days grow darker and colder it comes down to the will to win seniors die hard and you know you think about how the the, the seasons have changed and you're moving from From fall to early winter, and it does get dark early. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Number five was an early lead, is a dangerous lead. Um, You got to finish, you got to focus all the way through the game. Uh, Turnovers could be killers is number six, protect the football. Our kickers, our quarterback, and our lead, uh, number seven. Uh, Sometimes people leave this one out, don't think about this one as much, but uh, it did come back to haunt us in a, in a uh, game against St. Paul, so up the kicking game, it's always our advantage. And number eight, just win. The goal is to still be alive. And, you know, um, these were – I just remember when Coach gave us these and just thinking, man, these, this is incredible stuff. Yeah. And it just – it really kind of hits at the, the the kind of fun intensity – um that, that marks playoffs
1: yeah and you know the the history of that actually goes all the way back to general nayland university of tennessee oh yeah uh, so tennessee has their game maxims that uh and then in birmingham uh, bob finley and gerald right. gann some of uh yeah. general nayland's disciples so to speak yeah. you know carry that in and so i know that uh you know this carried with mm-hmm. us i think you carried this with you even to georgia right i did
0: i did and and um you know, over there, uh, we got involved in a game, uh, playoff game, uh, where we got behind and uh, got behind pretty good. In fact, it was like 24-7, uh, to 28-7, somewhere like that, and actually came back and won the football game, had an incredible second half. Um, but, you know, I, I used these with those kids, and uh, that was a journey all the way to the semifinals uh, that year.
1: So when we bring in – Bobby and, and Michael, you know, in particular, uh, the pass doesn't matter. So this was a rematch game from uh, earlier in the season that Briarwood won pretty handily. And, and Michael said they didn't feel like they even played that well. But, uh, you know, the second time to play the same opponent <laughs> we've been there, it <laughs> is not easy at all. No. And, then, uh, and then the idea of things uh, go wrong early, don't, don't panic. I think that's the other thing that you're going to to see, you know, as they kind of talk about this thrilling game. So here's here's Bobby Curley and Michael Ayers talking about the 2017 game, Briarwood hosting St. Clair County quarterfinals. The winner goes to Tuscaloosa to go into the 5A state championship game, the Super 7 that year. And, uh, man, it was incredible atmosphere. It's uh the fog rolled in in the fourth quarter, and I think it's a game that people uh, continue to talk about to this day. Join now with former great quarterback, number seven, Michael Ayers, and longtime head basketball coach, offensive coordinator, Bobby Curley. Both these guys were a big part of just up close and participants in what Coach Ansey called one of the great. Comebacks of all time, and and no one could could disagree with that. So thank you guys for joining us, Bobby. Let me start with you, undefeated team. So much on the line, semifinal game. The winner goes to Bryant Denny. Have a chance to win the five eight state championship. And you guys have played St. Clair County before in the regular season. I think it was like a thirty one to six. So just if you remember anything from the regular season, the early playoffs, the lead up to that, and
2: Yes, sir, it was – what made it even more difficult was the talent they had. I mean, they had a couple of Division I guys on that team, but multiple guys that played different levels of of ball. And the coaching staff that they had, uh, outstanding offensive coordinator, uh, Coach Glover, the head coach, being a defensive guru. I mean, mean, you put great coaching with great players, great community. uh, You know you're going to have a heck of a football game. Um, so, but going into the first matchup, we felt really good about uh, a, four, a couple of formations we had. We thought we, they would have a hard time adjusting to for us to be closed trips, and just watching them, you know, Coach Forster and I, Coach Yancey, realizing they had some they had some issues lining up to that. So we were able to lean on that, especially in the first half, and just consistently move the football. And the other was a passing concept that we call Snag. That has a quick little expanded hitch and uh, with a corner over the top, shoot underneath. And, boy, we kept leaning on that play, and uh, we had some great wide receivers and a great quarterback, obviously, that make pass plays work well. Wide receiver we had in Carson Eddy, and he finished the game 14 or 15 catches and was a huge problem for them. And then to put the game away, we had a great running back that's now one of Michael's teammates at Sanford, J.R. Tran-Reno, went to play at Vanderbilt. Now he's at Sanford uh, with Mike. Um, I mean, the O-line, our fullback, Brandon Guthrie, J.R., they picked a great time to hit a home run. And J.R., we get him in space, he can hit that gas. And so he, he put him away with a 75- or 80-yard run. Um, one of the things that helped out the offense is they never really could get anything going. Uh, Coach Forrester had their number from the start. We got multiple possessions. Um, you know, they were going three and out. And we're able to have 10, 12 play drives, and they just couldn't really get the ball or get anything going. Um, but we knew coming into the playoffs, that they were on a roll. They, they had won a couple of games right before us, like last-second deals. Winona oh. had them down and out, and they found a way to win. And, and – in we felt like we were, we were that way, too, and we, we had been dominating some of our opponents, but we'd had some cl- close games, too, where we had been able to work that through. But we knew we were getting a talented team with great coaches that was hot, uh, on a roll, felt really good about themselves, and knew what we did the first time. They were going to be able to make adjustments and, and take a lot of
1: those things away, and they did. Michael, at some point, I'm going to get you to walk us through uh, a mistake you actually made in the second quarter. But leading up until halftime with uh, them getting the momentum and so much of the game going their way early, do you have any, any recollections of, of what you remember about that uh, as, a, as a player, competitor, what, what some of the motions you're going through? So walk me through a little bit just thinking about the first half at this point of that semifinal game.
3: I think when he, as a, from like a player perspective, you know we got down. I think they scored their first possession. No one's really freaking out. I mean, you know, you're not really thinking like, especially in the first half, like okay, we still have plenty of time to win this game. You're not really trying to hit any home runs. You're just trying to, you know, stack good play after good play after good play. Um, and I think they got down. We got down. It was like fourteen to three, and so coming up with a fumble, fourteen to three. We had a good drive going. And um, so constantly throughout the year, Coach Ancy would always tell me in practice and games, you got to hold the ball with two hands. got to hold the ball with two hands. And, you know, being, being a little stubborn, uh, I just never – I never did. I don't know why, but
1: – it, it Magic got Mike. Uh, you were Magic Mike. Magic Mike. Magic, Ma- Magic
3: Mike almost lost us the game with that one. So, And as soon as I fumbled the ball, someone sat on me. So I had to basically <laughs> just hear the crowd – hear the crowd – uh, cheering and kind of look back and watch a linebacker just go 86 yards to the house. And it was 21 to three at that point. So that, that one, I, I never really thought, okay, we're out at this point, but I was like, we, we got some work to do. I'm gonna have to make up for that you, one.
1: You know, you're on the 14 yard line, you're going in, you go empty. It looks like uh, you get all hitches going there. You've got I think four of the five receivers open.
3: <laughs> uh, I think Luke Pruitt, if I remember correctly, Luke Pruitt. We had Luke Pruitt and Noah Watley wide open. Got free.
1: Now they brought six versus five, so it's you know it, it it's kind of Chuck and Duck at that point. But a smarter
3: quarterback might have gotten the ball out a little quicker too.
1: <laughs> so, so, Bobby, any thoughts you remember about that particular moment?
3: You know, the, um, it,
2: it was a, a really just, it was a, a really spiritual night for me I, <laughs> at, at no point. was, I ever panicked. I mean, it was just, I knew what we had. Uh, I knew we had the ability to score quick. Um, but I also knew none of the, the players that were leading us were going to panic. And it, showed up they they kick their extra point they kick off the very first play we get the ball back Mike throws a screen to Luke Pruitt and this team that year it's neat how every year the team kind of has a couple of identity plays Mm -hmm. and ours was a slow screen game and Michael throws a slow screen to Luke Pruitt who then takes it 65 yards and so then I'm like this team was built for this and uh, these kids were built for this and so uh, to bounce back right away, you know, I, I, the whole time I thought, hey, we're going to win. I, I, I know we are. It, it's really ugly right now. It's not pretty. But somehow this group's going to find a way to pull it out. And sure enough, 65 yards later, it's I think we're 27 to 10 at
1: that point. You know, the last play of the half yeah. uh, was maybe one of the more monumental plays of the game because, you know, they're down close to the goal line. Uh, line up to kick a field goal and run, run a perfect game uh, fake field goal. Their their holder sneaks out and he he is wide open. But we had uh number four
2: was for Andrew us. Sharon, Andrew. Andrew Sharon, Andrew yeah. Sharon. that's right. who
1: who comes off the edge and gets enough pressure on the thrower that kept the ball falling short. But he would have walked in for a touchdown the last play of half, and so. So number four, Andrew sherrod hustles off the edge, gets pressure uh the guy's wide open, but the ball falls short, and so that's a big end of the half you know and so you you could have gone down more, but you're you're going down you know at the end of the half uh just uh twenty seven ten
2: what was funny about the fake is the holder uh is the quarterback
0: the quarterback right he,
2: he didn't bring at out there no. And right before they snap it, I notice it. And I start screaming, he done got a T. And so (laughs) everybody starts screaming it. There's no T, it's a fake. But by that time, it's too late. And, you know, we're going to get scored on on a team that didn't even bring a T out there to kick the ball off of. Oh, goodness. uh,
1: Michael, do you remember anything about anything said at halftime uh, that that helped out as far as – going into the second half with so much on the line? Uh,
3: so, I, I do remember, obviously, like we talked about earlier, we were all just kind of – we all kind of huddled up. We are like, all right, got to fix a couple of things, and we kind of went through that. But then I remember Coach Yancey brought us together, and he just gave an unbelievable halftime speech. And he, he basically – I mean, it was more of a challenge to us. He, he kind of challenged us to, all right, well, if you don't, you know, rise to the occasion and play almost a perfect half, there's no chance we're going to win the game. Because, I mean, their offense was rolling at the time. Their defense was picking up on everything that we were doing. We couldn't, we couldn't get anything going. So, I mean, he basically said that. And yeah, A couple of interesting
2: takes from the coach's
3: side. So all the players go in,
2: and we always stay outside the locker room and get together as coaches and talk. And we're talking through strategy, and like, nobody in the huddle is nervous. Matthews, Coach Forrester's not nervous. You know, I'm I'm fine. I mean, everybody's calm and cool. Coach Yancey is. And the last thing he says is, Well, boys, all it's gonna take is the best half of Briarwood fo- in Briarwood football history. Yeah. Hmm. And so then I'm nervous. <laughs> you know, we gotta but now we gotta play the best half ever. But one of my um, one of our, my assistants on the basketball team, Coach Jeremy Mears actually came with us into the locker rooms the only time he's come in during halftime. Right. He's like, well, I wanted to know what the coaches were going to say to the guys. And he was saying the thing that shocked him the most is that no coach was panicking, screaming, hollering, yelling. No player was panicking. It's my last game ever. You know, the woe is me's. Everybody sat down. We addressed our, our teams, our units, got back together and I, I really do think
3: everyone left there thinking, we're going to win. We're going right. to be okay. And I think from a player's perspective, too, that's a really good point. We all noticed that, you know, the coaches weren't panicked. They were all just completely relaxed. And I think it gives the players confidence, too, that, uh, hey, they're not re- – you know, they're not panicking. You know, we, we got a chance to win this game.
1: You know, from what you're telling me, you guys, the, the, what was what was crucial about that moment for some, it might be life-changing or life and death, but y'all didn't seem to have that. So where does that come from, that sense of calm? Because we had that even this year in our, or this least past year in our game with Chelsea where it's almost like there's something that's bigger than the moment that allows you to handle the moment. So, Michael, what is that? What, what allows you to have – I mean, the winner of that game goes to the state championship. The loser of that game season over – what keeps that perspective where you have a chance to compete?
3: I don't think that anyone is crazy. As, I don't think anyone really kind of put it, you know, thought about. hey, if we lose this, we're going home. I mean, we did. But I think we were so focused on, you know, just you got to play every play. Like you got to build one play on top of another one. You got to keep building off that. Because I do think that if you put so much pressure on yourself in that situation, it, you, you know, you could. You could just kind of crumble, and it'd be really hard to live up to it. But I also think that, I mean, we we had such a special group of guys, a special group of coaches, and I think we put just so much – I mean, it was it was really like a brotherhood. It was, it was probably the greatest team I've ever been on, coaches, everything, just how close everyone was. And I think we all just kind of knew, all right, we're going to fight for each other, and we were so well prepared. The coaches had just, you know, could not have been any more prepared. And I think that that just kind of gives you confidence – you know, to kind of go out there and play as hard as you can and hope not really let the scoreboard kind of reflect it, which one kind of give us all everything we got. And then, luckily enough, the scoreboard did reflect it, and we, we won the game.
1: Now, Bobby, I, I noticed we scored on four of five uh, final possessions in the second half. And uh, if anybody follows Barwood football, it was kind of uh, a litany of some of our – just old standard famous plays, you know, uh, and not always throwing to the same guy. But you know, uh, you know things we call like our fade, follow, and slow screen. And of course, Michael had the big, big scramble, you know. But what what changed? What 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 happened in the second half uh, to kind of get that thing rolling? And, and the funny thing, first play, I think the first drive out second half, we we try to run the ball go three and out, you know? yeah,
3: right. But I will say real quick that yeah. was that was the one time in that game we came out three and out. It's like that's the one time I got nervous. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is gonna be tough. I, I was completely confident, like Coach Curley said, completely confident. But after that three and out, I was like, all right, that is not what we needed after a motivational you know halftime speech. Everyone has confidence, and then we just go three and out. So <laughs> that was tough. Yes,
2: yeah, sir. I think part of the nerves was how they had scored. Uh, other than the first drive, they had a first drive of the game. It's all that's always hardest on the defense because the offense has been prepping all week. They have 13 plays, 68, six yard drive, eat up almost eight minutes of the clock. But then after that, you're looking 86 yard play, 89 yard play. I mean, they're just bang bang. They're like, you know, knockout blows. And so we go three and out, and. and I, I, I don't know if this is what Mike was feeling too, but I thought, man, one more home run ball. And, and then it start. It, it's time to start getting nervous, but we, we kick it. Defense gets a stop. We get the ball back. And then boy, we, we just start hitting. We, we start playing a little faster. Um, some, some hurry up, no huddle, like stop thinking so much. Let's just get in space. And what made that team tough was all the weapons that, that Mike had uh with, with, uh, Hartsfield and Eddie and Tran Reno and Pruitt. And so we just start spreading the ball out. Mike starts getting rid of it uh, quicker. And we also, uh, we pretty much abandoned the run. <laughs> no more runs. Let's Mike, let's just go play some ball and sling it around. Um, but there, there were some things that we saw, especially on the fade, which trying to come up with a way to get J.R. Tran Reno, one-on-one with one of their guys. Right. Um, and, of course, that was that was later in the game. But now the defense starts setting us up, too. Um, so, second drive of the game, we're 12 plays, 70 yards. And, you know, you, that takes a lot out of them. And then two plays later, Andrew Sherrod picks off a pass. And so now you, you feel the tide changing. Um, and we, we just – keep going back to what do we do best let's run those things and stop thinking so much so now we score for a second time on a slow screen to Luke Pruitt we're on the same play except we run to the right instead of the left Um, and where that comes from for for me dates back to uh, I guess when Mike was a Mike would have been a junior had broken his leg we were playing in the playoffs at Mortimer Jordan and they had a great running back went on to set records at UAB and well, I was nervous before the games. They had a great defense, too. And Coach Steve Renfro is out there on the field with me. And I guess he could tell I was a little nervous. And he just comes over. He says, hey, you okay? I'm like, yes, sir. You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. I got a little pregame butterflies. And he says, well, hey, when you get nervous, throw your fastball. And our fastball that year was buck sweet. And, boy, we get backed up on the goal line. If we get off the goal line, we win the game. And I'm sitting there in the press box and it's like Coach Renfro whispering in my, in my ear, throw your fastball. And I call Buck Sweep and Jr. bust it for 20. Hmm. So now a year later we're in St. Clair County and I'm like, all right, all we got is fastballs, baby. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's throw them out there. Whatever this team's best at doing, let's run it and go with it.
1: So, so Michael, you know, you finally get a lead uh, and then to their credit, they weren't they weren't going to quit so they go right back down and finally score uh, to give a 33 31 lead uh, the fog has rolled in and there's just this foggy crazy pandemonium going because now it's fourth quarter it's it's the clock and uh, and and if, if there weren't already the legend of Magic Mike, uh, it, it just at that point, you know, the, the, that fourth quarter and your performance, uh, some of the plays that you made, extending plays and just throwing some stuff underneath when you had to and throwing pretty balls over the top when you had to. So, what do you remember about the fog rolling in and some of those last few possessions where uh, season's on the brink?
3: Oh, well, I remember we got the fog came in and we got we were backed up pretty far. I remember that and um, kind of got out of it. We got to a third down, we got to a third down situation and we had this bunch set. So we we stacked Carsonetti behind another receiver and we ran hitches and I missed it. I, I just didn't see I didn't I don't know why I didn't throw it. Carson was wide open back. So we didn't score. We punt the ball back and they break one down their sideline. Unbelievable play. I still remember sitting on the sideline looking at it, and I you know, kind of getting a little nervous, and Mark Kane comes out of nowhere, makes a great play. And I want to say Patrick Blythe is the one who recovered. I mean, just he was hustling the whole way. The nose guard. Yeah, nose guard. And that's what he – I mean, that's what that defense did the whole year. They just hustled with the ball. It was It was unbelievable. But Patrick gets it, and I just remember having this vision of, all them running back to the sideline, just going absolutely crazy, and I was like, "All right, we got to do something. We got We got to help them out." And you know, they couldn't. They can't do that and us not go score. We ran the same play. We ran a slot fade, and I think it was a delay slant concept. Mm-hmm. And earlier in the game, I kind of, I kind of looked at it. We ran it about on the, I want to say the 15. It was to get it to 27 to 17 earlier in the third quarter. And I hit Hudson on it, but I was kind of pe- – I was kind of looking at the – I was like, oh, I like that matchup. I just don't really have room to run it. But sure enough, I, I was in disbelief they did it again. They brought, they brought. I think, number six up. You know, Jr. was just – I really liked the matchup. So, threw it over the top. And he made a heck of a catch because, I mean, it was pretty foggy. I have – I really don't know how he caught it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, then, and then we run a – a little fade, right? So I think we we're going to Hudson Hartsfield, and it just—I don't know—it wasn't open. Everyone was kind of everywhere, and I just took off, and somehow, no, luckily, no one caught me. I don't know how that didn't happen, but I mean, it was just wide open. And so we got that 31-27, yeah, my was The lead, yeah, I believe. And then they had the kid who went to Auburn made a just unbelievable play, I, unbelievable play. I don't know how he did it. he, he could fly. So, it's 33-31. I don't, I don't know how much time, about, like, two minutes left, I think. Mm-hmm. Something around there. Carsonetti has a heck of a return. I mean, that's set up the whole drive, too. He brings a return back to, like, the 45. We get into a bunch set, and this is funny. Yeah, so oh, we no. were
2: in nub, and we were just out bunched wide, like in a little flock pattern.
3: Right, yeah, so it was that. And the play was supposed to go to an under to Carsonetti. And a testament to Hudson Hartsfield, who's at the top, he played every play 100%. So he's supposed to have a runoff route. Well, he gives him a little inside move and goes. And he wasn't really even part of the read. I just kind of saw him, and I made a bad throw, and the corner knocks it down. So in my head, I'm like, I really hope that wasn't our last chance because I might have just blown that. Two plays later, I think we got back up the next play. So it was like third and 15 or something, and we ran rodeo comeback, right? Get to the, get to the chains and come back. Well, the corner wasn't looking. And Carson made a heads-up play, kept going, and uh, he made a really good catch. And then I think we scored a couple plays later. Yeah, so what's
2: what's amazing about the play you described, I saw their coaching staff, you know, months later. And on that play, the DB coach is yelling at the DB that we're probably running a comeback. (laughs) And so the DB's staring at the coach, and you snap it. And Eddie hears this conversation between coach and player and just decides to keep running. And so the kid's waiting on him to stop at the chains, and Eddie runs right by him, and you throw it. And I'm sure everybody thought, what a great call by Coach Curley. <laughs> and I'm up there going, what are we doing? Yes, yes. <laughs> what a play. This is amazing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, when we get down there, then Jr. gets under center and
3: punches it in. Yeah, he made a heck of a play on that screen, too. Yes.
2: Good oh, yeah, they did, and so that you know they get the ball back, and man, this has been the craziest game of all time, and so everybody's still on pins and needles, and so what do we do? We we put Jr. in at safety. <laughs> it was, Jr. Get in here, go knock the ball down. He winds up picking off the last play of the game to to end it, and he never. I don't even think he practiced more than two or three times. But get out, right. boy, <laughs> go catch it. <laughs>
1: Well, it was a great, great celebration. Um, launched you guys to, down to Tuscaloosa. Um, Mike, two, two questions quickly. Um, the first one is, what, what was it like to play for Coach Curley? Um, when you have an OC and a quarterback, the relationship really developed. So talk a little bit about, because you also played basketball for him as right. well. So you're a two-sport guy with coach Curley, but, uh, but what was it like playing for him?
3: It was special. Uh, something is just, I mean, we actually had an interview with this with Alec Etheridge, I think, and we got to kind of talk about it, but it was just, it, it was like he said, in the interview, it was just so much more than just a kind of, you know, player coach relationship, because I saw him, I mean, I was with him throughout the day, everything. And he was my set. He was my coach from seventh grade to my senior year. So we just had such a, special connection it really was just awesome but he just it was much more than you know just x's and o's and stuff like that he kind of shows you like what it's like to be a man of god on just a daily you know daily basis and it was just so it was really awesome something i would like to add to his commitment to excellence is something he said i don't think i don't know how many people if anyone knows how much time he puts into to everything and it's, it truly is unbelievable. He, you know, be the offense coordinator, basketball coach, everything else he does. I, I it really is unbelievable. And I, I don't think anyone knows how much time he puts into it. Like I'd get a text at four 30 in the morning and I'm, does this guy sleep? You know, what, what, what's he doing? How's he doing this? So.
1: And then I know you're humble, but you've had quite an amazing career post Barwood. So, uh, you don't have to brag on yourself because what you're saying is true, but take us through kind of your journey after Briarwood and some of the great things you've been able to to accomplish.
3: Um, So after Briarwood, I went to Murray state um, for about a year and a half. And then due to some coaching changes, I ended up transferring to Northwest Mississippi community college, Um, got the opportunity to go, to go there. And uh, just kind of, I love the place. I mean, it was just awesome. And in 2020, We were able to go there and um, we won like the national championship and the state championship for junior college. So like the Mississippi state championship and the, um, you know, national championship. And then last year in 2021, I ended up coming back and um, we had another just great team. I mean, super talented and ended up having another good year. We um, we won the state championship again. So we got to go back to back and then we ended up losing in the, you know the like national playoffs, like a four team playoff, and we ended up losing to New Mexico. But um, it was it was really awesome, and then it was just you know such a gift from God that I ended up getting to come back to San, to Birmingham and play at Sanford, and just like you said with JR. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to uh, this next year.
1: And then Coach Curley, when we think about Michael, his journey is so different from what we see trends today. You know, he had to overcome an injury. He had to wait his turn. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't get a starting position until that senior year. So walk us through what makes, makes it special coaching a guy like Michael Hires and what's your, what your going to be your lasting memory about him?
2: Well, I, I remember when he walked out on the field as a seventh grader. I mean, you talk about a little fella. He was a little fella. <laughs> I, mean, I remember everybody called him precious because he was just so cute and precious. And then he gets this football, he starts slinging it around like he's got a howitzer of an arm. I remember going home and telling my wife, "Like we got this little dude that can daggum throw a football. Um, and so, we, you know, you, you get things started on the field or, or on the court. And then I had uh, Mike in class too. And, and so we really did have a special time together where um, you know, it's like, like family um and then to watch somebody that regardless of the circumstances around them is never defined by those circumstances like watching him continue to get better um uh even even without the guarantee of playing time i mean that that that's a that's a unicorn i mean that's rare and because he's done that, you know, you, you hear a lot of times it's all about the journey and not about the end product. And Michael seemed to understand that from the time I met him. And, and he's still doing the same thing now. And we're going to see the fruits of his labors at Sanford. You know, Mike can be, a, Mike can be frustrating because he's good at everything. And like, he'll beat you in ping pong, he'll beat you in pool. And I thought I'd finally found one thing he couldn't do. The boy can't punt. Oh, and nice. so he, we would have this little package where you have to you know, we 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 call it gun smoke. We try to pin people inside the five yard line. And in this great game we're talking about, we got the ball in the forty. Coach Anthony calls gun smoke, and I'm thinking, oh goodness, where's this ball going to go? <laughs> and Mike pins him down on the one yard line. I mean, he kicks it 39 and a half yards. And part of me went yes, and the other part of me went, he can
3: punt, you know, <laughs> he can um, do everything. Good gracious. That ball got him up. Five yards in the air, it, God <laughs> yeah. rolled that ball to the half yard line.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, I, I joke
2: about that, but the reason I say it, it's a testament to the, why, why are you good at things like that? Because of your commitment to excellence all the time. And that's what I will remember about Michael, never settling, never pouting, not making excuses. What can I control? My attitude, my effort, my commitment. Michael Irish does that.
1: Well, Michael, just, uh, a long legacy of number sevens that you wore that number proud. We we really appreciate that. Well, guys, thank you for helping to share the memories. And yes,
3: sir. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Well, Mike, there it was. <laughs> you know, golly, it, the the emotion that spilled out after that game and then uh, going into the, the 5A championship game. And that was a, a classic game as well. You know, St. Paul's ended up kind of winning that at the end. They overcame – uh, fourth and forever, a uh, couple of just must plays, and they kind of made the plays, and and uh, our guys were heartbroken in the five A state championship game that year. But there's nothing no, nothing to be ashamed of in getting a red red map and and going that far in the playoffs. But you know, anything wrapping up of uh, just winning these types of games, the playoff atmosphere, things that come to your mind as a coach.
0: Well, I just remember, was it? Was it uh, the Aliceville game?
1: Yeah, yeah, 98, uh, 97. We lost yeah. in 97 on the yeah. last-minute field goal, right. and then we got them back in 98. We'll yeah. actually do a podcast on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's just one game that really, really sticks in my mind, and I can't wait till we can talk about that one because that was, uh, that was one of the biggest highlights of my career.
1: Yeah. So we're going to keep uh, working these things through. Uh, I've just been so pleased to uh, – to, to relive some of these moments. And, you know, our hope is that Briarwood fans and players and even, you know, coaches that have coached the game would, would be able to kind of walk down memory lane with us and enjoy these moments.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.